Hi, everyone. I'm Kara Scott, and welcome to The Heart of Poker, sponsored by 888Poker, a podcast that looks into the personal side of the poker personalities that we often see on our screens. I use a modified list of the questions from the 36 Questions to Fall in Love study developed 25 years ago by psychologists as part of an experiment to see if they could make total strangers fall in love with a kind of shortcut for getting to know someone on a deeper level fast. My guest this time had an incredible 2022 at the Felt with nearly $600,000 in earnings live in that year alone, including a World Series of Poker final table. Angela Jordison just narrowly missed out on a Player of the Year title, but it is no surprise that she recently took down Breakout Player of the Year at the fourth annual Global Poker Awards. Although she was primarily a cash game player, we have seen quite a lot of Angela in tournaments over the past couple of years and often with her poker bestie, Jackie Burkhart, truly friendship goals. Thank you so much for coming on, Angela. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. I've been following kind of your career and just... Again, like that lovely friendship between you and Jackie and the way you guys support each other at tournaments and all of that for so long. And it is really nice to actually have a conversation. You are so easy to root for in an industry where that's not always the case. (laughs) So what was it like to take down that breakout player of the year award? It was really rewarding because it's voted on, you know, kind of by your peers And after a disappointing finish late in the year on the player of the year races on both the Mm. player of the year races, it was nice to be recognized. Like I really, I wanted to win. I did not think that I would win because the competition was a lot of people that scare me. Mm. (laughs) I'm like, oh, those are scary people and I'm competing against them. So when I heard (laughs) my name, it was, I was so excited. Wow. Well, what does it feel like when when you're in the middle of a breakout year? How do you process that? It was so new for me. Um, I have never played that hard and that many tournaments with travel. And I just became in this, especially towards the end of the year when things were getting more intense and I was having to go deeper and deeper to lock up points. Mm. I I was just in the zone where I Mm. would just get to the next tournament, you know, try to run deep. Jackie and I'd be calculating points like crazy, (laughs) strategizing the next move. It was so fun. And even though I didn't win and I ended up in second, I wouldn't change anything. I gave, I gave it my all and it was great. And the way the poker community rose, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? The way they came to my, um, they were like my cheerleaders. Yeah. You know? And I felt like I had a big crowd rooting for me. And so that was so nice. And um, I don't take that for granted at all. Yeah. From the outside, you know, being on that cheering section, it was such a ride to kind of watch you just do that. And this year has been a pretty good year as well, I would say, right? Yeah. Yeah. Then I <laughs> won my first circuit ring um, in the high roller at Thunder Valley in January. Cause it's so weird how your mind works. I was like, oh, the end of the year, you know, I, I ran hot in 2022, <laughs> you know, like this calendar is going to, you know, slow me down or something like, right. you know, that now my life's going to go back to normal. And it really hasn't because I do have that tournament bug now mm. and um, I do want to do it. I just want to do it a little slower. I don't want to have to grind that hard. Yeah. Well, how important were your, you know, your friendships, your support system and all of that through that year. And do you feel like you still have that going into this year? Yes. It's yeah everything. Like I have the best circle around me that um, 
is supportive, roots for me, like genuinely wants me to do well, um, just is there for me when, you know, because tournaments have such high highs and low lows. Yeah. Even when you're winning a lot, you, you can brick two tournaments and things start to creep into your head like, ah, mm. oh, can I do this? It's so weird, the mental side of it. And without a support system, I think the mental side is just brutal. Right. So, you know, they would keep me in check and, you know, I, it, I don't know that it would happen if I didn't have all the positivity mm. around me. Yeah. Live poker is such a different beast than online poker. If you travel somewhere and you put that investment in, like the cost of traveling and getting your hotel and you go to play and then you just bust out. Like, I don't know if you've ever busted out in the first level of a tournament I have, and it feels terrible. And you're like, it's one tournament. It should not be that big a deal, but you're playing live and you're thinking, oh, well, I can't just fire up another one. So yeah. So when you're in a series, let's say you brick them all, it just becomes oh. exponentially worse. Yeah. And balancing that mental thing, knowing, you know, I'm very aware of the variance. It's not like I'm unrealistic hmm. on, you know, how often I should be cashing or, or things like that, but it doesn't make it feel any better in the no. moment. <laughs> yeah, you can know all the facts and the figures and it doesn't have to make it feel any better. Um, right. It seems like you have a lot of fun with it. Do you still have as much fun as you used to? Or is it now that it has to become kind of a little more serious, I suppose? Did it lose some of that? Um, no, I mean, it has changed for me a little bit. I've always had fun in poker. Um, I have fun at everything I do, really. <laughs> um, <laughs> but even in the cash games, like I, I played in the same PLO cash games for years. We had a blast. Like we became mm. a family. We always had fun. And I've kind of taken that into tournaments where I have met people all over the country, mm -hmm. all over the world, really. And um, I've definitely had fun with it. Now, the increased spotlight has kind of changed things for me a little bit. Um, I do... I am like easily distracted. I have pretty bad ADHD. So like mm. sometimes you can be talking to me and I'm already five steps into it. Like I'm five <laughs> days ahead of you on conversation. Like, and so sometimes I can kind of, I feel like I can make people feel like I'm not listening. And I don't want to leave people with that impression because I remember when I was coming up and if I would talk to someone who is, was having success in the game, like it meant a lot to me mm. that they took the time or, made me feel like what I was saying was important. And so I've had to really um, focus on myself and what kind of interactions I'm having with other players, because I don't want players to have, uh, you know, I don't want to leave a bad impression or yeah. like I'm too busy or I'm too this or that. Like I want to have genuine connections with all the players really. Yeah. It's such an important thing. I think to not forget as you move up in stakes or as you're moving kind of forward in your poker career, especially for people like me, I'm a recreational player and I always have been, but I did go through a phase where I was playing a lot more seriously and talking to other people who may never want to be a professional, they might only play recreationally. Like they're the majority <laughs> of the poker yeah. industry. Right. And yeah. making sure, yeah, that we, I don't know, uh, that kind of friendliness or the, the sense of fun. I think it's really important as you're saying, yeah. to like keep that. Because even like if I take a beat or I, I don't really, I, I don't really have negative reactions to beats. You know, I've played long yeah. enough where I'm kind of dead inside when it comes to <laughs> <laughs> but, um, even just like a snarky comment or handling a beat or like tossing my cards in wrong could, could leave a bad impression. Right. Even if I'm nice all day long, you know what I mean? So yep. I just, I'm more cognizant on, um, 
you know, how I treat people, even though, you know, I don't normally treat people bad, but I'm even hypersensitive to it now that the spotlight is kind of on me. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to dive into these questions. Um, They come in three different sections. They get kind of progressively more personal. Let's start with something that's kind of easy though. So what would your best friend say is your most annoying habit? Uh, Probably Uh, self-doubt. She is on me a lot. She's like, Angela, you're good. You're this or that. And I annoyed all of my friends for the last six months saying, I'm on a heater. I made excuses for all my achievements. I'd be like, I'm on a heater. It's a soft field. I'm winning flips. And, you know, after a few months of that, they're like, stop. Yeah. (laughs) Take credit for what you're doing. And I became this really annoying person, but I never want to be cocky or like think I'm better than I am. And so, Mm. uh, but I kind of go to the extreme and it drives them crazy. Yeah, I bet. I I can relate. <laughs> I think I kind of do that myself as well. And making excuses for actual success instead of making excuses when you do something wrong, it's such a, I don't know, it, like when you make excuses when you do something wrong, it can hurt a lot of people. But when you make excuses for doing things right and for success, we're just hurting ourselves. And it drives me crazy in in me like yeah. as well. So I, I'm with your friends and I know that. I'm doing it, but it's like this imposter syndrome where it's yes. like, how did I end up here? And do I belong here? Like, yeah, it, it feels, <laughs> it, I feel, you know, out of place at mm. times. Well, I think it's pretty cool that um, so much, maybe not for you, but so much attention has kind of been put on your journey and your success and all of that, because I think it's kind of great for us to all be able to say, actually, this is also what success looks like. Yeah. It looks like Angela. <laughs> like, that's cool. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> like, sometimes we only see a more narrow version of what success looks like in poker. And I think it's great to widen that. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> okay, so let's move moving on. Let's talk about um well the question actually is in the study what constitutes a perfect day for you? But what is like the perfect way to celebrate a, a tournament win or a really great result? Like what is kind of the favorite way that you have done that in the last couple of years? So when I'm done with a tournament, I'm like so exhausted. Mm. Um, but I love to be, it's usually just my friends there, my family, you know, I wouldn't do that to them, dragging them around to tournaments. Uh, it's so boring when you don't play, <laughs> but it's usually my poker friends and, um, Jackie, and we usually go to eat or, uh, you know, we rarely party hard or anything after a tournament. I mean, it has been done. I will say that <laughs> uh, a few times. I'm not a big partier. So I just like to have those connections and yeah. have my intimate circle and we go and eat and talk over hands and celebrate and stare at the trophy or <laughs> whatever. But yeah, I don't, uh, I don't do anything too extreme. Just, just hang with my people. Nice. Well, when's the last time that you sang to yourself or to someone else? I am the worst singer ever, <laughs> but I don't let it stop me in my cash games. I used to always play like songs that you could really sing along, just songs that everybody knows. And I would sing at the table, like these really, and I was known for having this horrible voice and I just didn't care because then I thought it was funny. So I would do more of it. (laughs) Um, But recently I've been like singing in the car to Taylor Swift's new song, of course. Um, Oh yeah. And you know, that's about it. I just sing that song over and over while I drive because nobody wants to hear it out in the public. (laughs) 
Okay, well, at, at this moment in your life, what do you feel most grateful for? I'm grateful for where where I am in life mm. with my friendships, my children, my family, um, just everything is in such a good place. And the freedom that I have in my life, the way that uh, we have set up our freedom to be in this place where I can do what I want when I want. Mm. And it's been a long journey getting there. You know, I used to be in corporate America where had to be there at a certain time and, and all of that. And, you know, I'm glad that I broke from the norm and ended up where I am now. Yeah. And, and to set that up uh, is really rewarding. No kidding. Like if you go back kind of 10 years in your head to who you were 10 years ago, how unlikely would the last year have been to you at that point? Very unlikely. You know, yeah. I own bars. I was working 80 hours a week. Uh, you know, it, it took a lot of work to get to where I'm at and both mm. in the game and in my uh, professional life. And now I've left that professional life behind. I sold my last bar at the end of 2020. And, you know, it's, it's just all led me to where I am. And I think mm. it's why I've had success uh, this last year. It's, I don't feel it's by accident. It's by, not having anything else. Like I've been able to really focus and those outside stresses and those kind of things. Right. And how much did that kind of sense, you must have an incredible sense of discipline having worked that hard and for that long in, you know, in those arenas, that sort of discipline and that drive that must really have translated to poker, I'd imagine. Yeah. I mean, I was raised to like work really hard at things and be, be good at things or give your all and um, and so it has translated, uh, to poker yeah. and that, that work ethic. Huh? So if you could change anything about the way that you were raised, kind of going back to childhood now, is there something that you would change? What would it be? Um, I think I focus more on education. You know, I come, hmm. I'm half Hispanic and half Italian and my, I was raised to go to work. We didn't raise to go to school. We, you know, like the whole time in high school and stuff, college was never mentioned. It was just not a thing. It was more culturally, you go to work, like you're going to graduate. Where are you working? (laughs) And so I think maybe more of a focus on um, education would have been nice. I was great. I was raised in a house with tons of love and had Mm. a great um, childhood. It's none of that. It was just a culturally different setup. And so that's why it was so important for my own children where education was my number one focus. My son's an attorney. Um, my daughter wow. um, is it, graduated and is high up in this startup company. And so I feel like I put such a focus on it, but, uh, you know, I reached that goal with them. And so I, I'm, I'm proud of that for sure. I bet. What is it like for them? Like, have they talked to you about what it was like for them to watch you kind of make this massive transition and now you're a professional poker player and like winning trophies and, you know, being celebrated. How is that? Yeah. I have played full time even when I had bars and stuff for probably the last 15 years. So it is what they know, but as they've gotten older, they realize how unorthodox it is. Right. You know, they're 
friends' moms are not <laughs> sitting at a poker table at 1 a.m. on a Tuesday, you know? <laughs> so, I'm lucky them. <laughs> yeah. But then now they've really embraced it. And I think that they uh, are proud of it and realize how different it is. I don't think they're surprised just because I am such a free spirit. I just really don't fit in the mold of typical yeah. society. Right. So, yeah, yeah. that's why poker fits me. Yeah, I I feel like that um, for a lot of the people that I've met through the game and, you know, over the last couple of decades of working in poker as well, there's just a lot of us that for one reason or another don't really fit the mold for the rest of society. Either we opted out or we just couldn't make ourselves do it somehow. So it's, a, it's like a second, I don't know, a second kind of run at everything. Now that you have all of this free time, you can actually go and play. You, like you say, you're, you're not splitting your focus. You're completely focusing on what you're doing at poker. So. Yeah. yeah. And it gives me so much time to study. And I think Mm. that that's been the difference. Um, even though, you know, the field, a lot of the fields I play, I definitely am deviating from, you know, the solver work and stuff, but at least I know how to deviate now. And, you know, having that extra time, has given me the ability to not just be on the felt, but do all that work off the felt. Right. Yeah. And it is an enormous amount of work. I think that's probably the biggest misconception that non-poker pros have of poker pros sometimes. Although now with all of the like talk about solver work and all of the different kind of programs that are out there for training, I think it's become pretty clear that if you're going to be good at poker, you have to work pretty hard at it. For a long time, I think there were people who just thought it was kind of an easy option. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And especially like say 10 years ago, maybe not as much now, but it was like seen as kind of, yeah, like there'd be so much, I'm so good at this game. I could go and I could play all night and I could sleep all day and, you know, party. And it's like, well, (laughs) could you though? Could you actually do that and be really good at it and successful? So exactly. Yeah. And I think I have the benefit of coming up in the, um, in poker prior to solvers. Mm-hmm. So I had to learn those instincts and the game yeah. you know, through playing and exploitative tendencies and learning, you know, uh, how to read boards. Like you, you taught yourself, right. um, you learn by playing. And so to combine that with the solver work, I think has been a big asset of mine. Hmm. Okay. So poker related or not poker related, if you could wake up tomorrow, having gained any other quality or ability, what would it be? I think I would want to be a better listener. Oh, that's nice. For sure. I definitely think I can always improve on that. And then I want to be really good at tennis. Oh, okay. How come? <laughs> I had my kids play tennis all the time. I was like, wow, they're so good. And I'm so unathletic. <laughs> really, That's like something that I would have to wish a genie on a bottle because it's never coming. <laughs> <laughs> It'd probably be good for like unwinding as well, though. Are you the yeah. kind of driven person where you're like, you just see where you're making mistakes. So it's, you can't kind of relax and enjoy it. <laughs> right. I can't. Is that true? Yeah. I don't Aww. forgive myself for mistakes very well. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. yeah, man, I can relate. I think, yeah, I can see some similarities there. Um, yeah. Okay. So considering all of that and all of that, you know, the success that you've had and your family and your kids and all of that, when you get to the end of your life, what would make you think that you lived it right? You know, you, what, what is that kind of measure of success, that idea that, that you, you got there? What would that be? I think having uh, friends and family and a big core 
group of people that that I love and that love me. Mm. I think that's the end goal, right? To to have that happiness and make sure that my kids are happy and and everybody is happy and um that you know, I think that would be the ultimate goal to yeah. have that big uh, network ar- around you um, with happiness and love, really. Right. Hmm. It seems like you don't kind of just sit back and, you know, wait for good things to happen. I mean, recently, um, you know, when this podcast goes out, it, it might be a little bit later. But recently, I saw some of the tweets that you were having about you know, putting people into tournaments and kind of giving back. And, um, is that something that you feel strongly about? Like it is, uh, this one kind of came up organically. I just happened to be at a table and, um, one of the players was talking to the dealer about his experience in the military. And I could tell Mm -hmm. it was kind of a touchy subject. Like I could tell he maybe had a pretty negative experience, right? which is understandable. And then, um, he takes a beat where he gets set over set and he had the underset and it was the only hand he had played in an hour and a half. He had satellited into this main event tournament. And so I was just like really impressed by him. And so I said, you know, if I'm going to buy you into this tournament, I'm going to take care of your airfare and everything. And that, that was really the end of it. Well, a player then put it on Facebook that they had heard it (laughs) and it kind of blew up. So then that then I realized I could use my resources and my visibility to maybe give back and be able to do something pretty big. And now we're at putting seven of these players in the salute warriors with airfare and hotel. So who knows where it'll end because it's right. We're right in the middle of it. Uh, But it's, it is, it feels good to give it back and to put not only, um, I know that right now I have the ability to gather people and resources, and I don't mm-hmm. know that I'll always have that spotlight to be able to do it. So I do want to try to do that quite a bit over the next year or so. Well, is there anything else that you've dreamed about doing maybe for a long time, but you have not done it yet? No, I think I kind of do things as I want to. I did wow. have, I always said I wanted to go bungee jumping. Uh And I could walk to this canyon from my house Um, when I was in Oregon. I've been kind of in the Midwest the last couple of years. But from um, our house, I could walk to the canyon, this canyon. And it was the largest bungee jump in North America. And I walked there four times. And I was like, I'm really (laughs) going to make myself do it. I want to get out of my comfort zone. This is something I really want to do. And then I would walk back home every single time. Oh. So at some point, I want to do something that really makes me uncomfortable, like skydive or bungee jump or something. But, yeah. you know, I, I've been sky, I went where I was going skydiving before, and I ended up sitting on the grass while my entire yeah. family was up there in the plane. <laughs> so I took it out every time. But at some point, I'm going to push myself to do something like that. Wow. It sounds like you put yourself in tough spots. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you push yourself, right? <laughs> yeah, I walk all the way there and then oh I'd gosh. watch people jump. I was like, Oh, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think, I, I don't really know if I'm ever going to be able to do it. Right. But you, you want to do it or you want to have I just do. done I want it. To push myself. <laughs> like, I want okay. to push myself to being uncomfortable and getting over that. Right. I, I want to do that, but I, I have, oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> man, yeah, I've never bungee jumped and I've never jumped out of a plane and I just don't think I ever could. And I think for me, I've just gone, that's okay. <laughs> like, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm plumbing. almost there to be honest. <laughs> I don't know. The older I get, the less I think that, yeah, like plummeting is good fun. Although I wish I had done it, but I'd like to just have it kind of like in the back in the rear view mirror kind of. So I did do yeah. it. Yeah. I was once in a, uh, a helicopter cause it was a bunch of press people. We'd interviewed someone, uh, someone like, um, rich for up for poker at their compound. And then their private helicopter person was flying us back to the casino. It was a wild experience. And I was sitting up in the front. And at one point he grabbed my hands and he put them on the stick that was in front of me, even though he had his own stick. And then he just took his hands off his stick. And he said, if you don't, if you don't, you know, steer, we're going to die. And I, and I just, my heart was in my mouth because I was like, are you serious? You're kidding, right? And he's like, oh, I guess we die. I was like, well, well, there's people in the back. Like there were these other journalists in the back and they were terrified because like literally the look on my face said, we're all going to die now. And I had to. And he's like, you're going down a little. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, don't die. Like what? who even does that? And for me, that was probably one of the more terrifying moments of my life. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. And we made it out. And so now I'm glad it's in, yeah, in the rear view mirror as an experience I can tell my kid about, but never do again. So yeah, I mean, yeah. helicopters make me nervous anyway. Right. Terrifying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever been like properly terrified? No, oh, I have. Wow. I mean, I've been through um, earthquakes, quite a few earthquakes living on the West coast that make me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to like genuine, like very, very deep fear or like, you know, something that's extremely terrifying, I've just never had anything like that wow. um, before. I, oh, that's not true. My, that, that's not true. Um, when my daughter was six months old, mm. she, uh, we both almost drowned. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. Uh, so I forgot about that. Yes. Uh, oh. So that was um, definitely the most terrifying and traumatic experience uh, of my life. We were thrown overboard on a boat. In oh a my really gosh. Yeah. And her life jacket fell off of her. Oh and so it was, uh, it was extremely, it was very traumatic. Um, but yeah. everything worked out because of jet skis saved our life. So oh my uh, gosh. Yeah, it was great. That, that it is great. Ter- absolutely terrifying. Like yeah. I may not sleep tonight thinking about that. Yeah, that, it, That's the kind of thing that stays with you, even though everything kind of worked out that must have taken a little while to oh yeah it yeah. was um it was absolutely terrifying oh yeah it was uh because there was really big swells so they were breaking over our head and then all these other oh, people geez. started to jump in and then pretty soon they were saying we're drowning too like oh, it- my Lord. <laughs> so because chaos. of jet skis they were able to get to us so fast from um somehow you know they were able to get these jet skis off these docks and yeah. get to all of us so you know, that made me realize how important those small watercraft are when it comes to like surfing or yeah. any of those kind of things, because they're just able to navigate so much. Um, but really, my daughter probably was the least at risk because everybody was focused on saving her. Yeah, of course. That it was taking other people down, you know, just very similar yeah. to tragic stories you hear where they're uh, mm-hmm. you know, trying to save someone and they end up drowning, drowning themselves. Oh, I'm glad that that situation did not go the tragic route because that's yes. yeah, terrifying. Yeah. Oof. Okay. From that, let's swing all the way <laughs> to the other side <laughs> and say, what is the greatest accomplishment of your life? Uh, definitely the, the birth of my kids, uh, yeah. probably. And then just raising them and seeing the people that they became. Mm. Um, I, I adore them, but I 
uh, you know, I obviously love them so much, but mostly I'm proud of who they are mm-hmm. and uh, the changes that they uh, make to the world and just, uh, just how funny they are. And mm. yeah, that's my definitely biggest accomplishment. So in terms of the people that you have around you, what do you value most in a friendship? So I have a lot of very good friendships. Um, but I think that my friendship with Jackie has taught me so much. It, it's, it's so deeply honest. Mm. Uh, we are brutally honest with each other, very accepting and, I have realized and so supportive of one another that mm-hmm. I've realized how important all of those elements are to a really great lasting friendship. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's why so many people have resonated with our friendship because they see that it is so genuine yeah. and nothing's fake. We're not trying to be somebody we're not, we're not trying to be showboaters or anything like that. We just are who we are and we really value each other. Um, as friends and our weaknesses. And uh, uh, it's, it's been a very big gift. Yeah. In my life. Yeah. Well, I imagine that you both kind of share that kind of big heart because mm-hmm. it's something, uh, something I know about Jackie just kind of offhand, strangely, because even though, you know, I met her through work and interviewing her at the world series and all of that, I think. And then during the pandemic, I had a bit of a, like a, a mini crisis in some way. And I posted something funny about it on Twitter and she slid into my DMs and gave me some really good professional advice that was like completely unnecessary. She didn't have to do it. And it was just, and she did it in this way that was so lovely and really reassuring. And I just, I remember at that point just being like, you are such a nice person. Yeah. (laughs) And then, yeah, seeing the two of you kind of like at tournaments and some of the stuff that, you know, the funny videos of you guys dancing, <laughs> which I think everybody has seen. I love. <laughs> um, yeah. It, there's something really special about that. Yeah, when, did you, yeah. when did you meet? Like how long have you been friends? Poker brought us together and probably like 2016. Mm. Uh, and we just kind of hit it off and then it just slowly deepened and we are very different. Uh, she is very analytical, very numbers based. I'm very mm-hmm. creative. Uh, we come from different backgrounds. Like we are very opposite in a lot of ways. Right. Uh, uh, but for some reason, we just have this really deep connection, this really deep friendship connection. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm sure she'll be in my life forever. That's a lovely thing. Yeah. Poker brought us together. That's great. Yeah. That's amazing. Some of the closest people in my life, I'm really like, I owe poker for too. So. Yeah. And my daughter. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> it doesn't get closer than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So let's talk about, um, this can be kind of childhood or this can be as an adult. What is one of your most treasured memories? Do you have anything that's kind of that, that happy place for you in your head? Yeah. I think that all of my real big memories revolve around the holidays with, um, mm. when the kids were smaller, whether it's opening presents or um, road trips that we used to take as a family and all four of us would head down to the, you know, to California or just wherever those road trips just warm my heart. And Mm -hmm. um, I can think of so many times in the car of laughter and singing and all those things that you do as a family. And now that the kids are older and adults, uh, that, that, uh, that I miss for Mm -hmm. sure, you know? So now I need grandkids. <laughs> Are you pushing? 
Well, if you asked my kids, they would say I am, but <laughs> I don't see it happening anytime soon. Yeah. And you said that your that your own family, like growing up when you were a kid, you also had this, you know, that loving and warm sense of family. Do you think that is part of what made you be the success that you are, not just in poker, but all the other things that you've done, that kind of like solid base? Yeah, I think that the foundation always matters. Mm. And um, I think that I was raised with a pretty solid foundation. And then I tried to do that with my children as well. And, you know, it makes you strive for success. It makes you empathetic and, um, you know, just all the things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've came a long way. I've, I look back on uh, like, let's say poker when I first got started. And I think there was times where I was a complete asshole. (laughs) (laughs) I find it hard to believe, but okay. (laughs) Yeah. And there's times where I look back on that and think, wow, I've really evolved through the game and Mm. as a person. And there's times um, back then that now I've seen newer players or newer women players and and I can feel where they're at in the game and the sense of wanting to prove themselves or show that they belong. And, and, um, it can come off kind of off-putting, yeah. but I feel like I've evolved past that and, um, I'm like happy what I'm, um, you know, becoming basically where my goals are and where my priorities are. Yeah. It's nice not to continuously feel that kind of pressure. I mean, I felt it when I started in poker as well. Like I definitely didn't think I fit because I was a journalist who was talking about poker, you know, and I was, my first job in poker was to be the the voice of the novice player to ask the questions that the novice would ask. And, and I think I just carried that through with me for the, for years thinking like, I don't know very much. I, I don't really deserve to be here in terms of the poker community. I'm kind of set apart from it. It was a really weird thing. And now that you say that, I probably was kind of an asshole myself sometimes because <laughs> yeah. of that chip on my shoulder, you know? Yeah. I never yeah. want to behave like that again. And no. I, you know, I, I yeah, I, mm. I want her to be positive and I want to be positive um, as yeah. a person. So. so how do your parents feel about the the poker, especially the poker success of the last year? So um, I lost my dad in 2020. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm so sorry. And I used to play poker with him and he was, and I was just starting um, to have some success before he passed. Well, I mean, I have, I've been um, very successful in cash games for years. And uh, so he, he taught me, uh, you know, kind of a lot about the game And then when I started to take it to the next level, he was so excited about it. And my mom um, went with us to Malta and to Italy and and stuff this summer uh, for poker. So she's just very supportive. My mom could care less about poker, really could Mm -hmm. care less about casinos. She will sit down and play like limit poker for a little bit. Uh, But she is the ultimate supporter. She would right. stand on that rail for 12 hours if <laughs> oh. a minute or two. Um, I would never do that to her, but she, she just would. She, uh, I think she would support anything I did. Right. Yeah. So yeah, she, you're, you're her little girl. So yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really nice. My mom, uh, a few times has been able to come out and either watch me play or watch me work. And every time she's watched me play, I think it's been terrible and super short. <laughs> and like, just, and I just <laughs> always felt like, Oh man. Yeah. Like she once <laughs> took a bus from, it was in Canada. I got to fly back to Canada and play. 
I forget where, somewhere. And she had to take a bus to get there. And it took her like seven hours on the bus, right? Yeah. She arrives the next day I, I play, I bust almost immediately. <laughs> I was just like, I'm so sorry, mom. And she's like, it's all right. She booked a bus back home. I was like, oh crap. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I think that's what we all do for our children. Like I would do it for my daughter too. Like, yeah. I just think that that just kind of goes hand in foot or I think, I, I mean, at least I'm lucky to have that in my life, but yeah, yeah of course she's, she's the, and, and we're, I was definitely more like my dad. My mom's very quiet and, um, not as in your face. Right. <laughs> and so she just is, she's a very calming force. Yeah. We talked a little bit before you came on, um, when we were emailing back and forth or messaging back and forth. And I was saying how much I really appreciated your speech for the breakout player of the year and how that was, it really touched a lot of people. And you talked about your dad's passing and um, you said that you, you'd kind of won it. <laughs> so, like, was it, did you not think you were going to win? Like you said, you, there were all these other people that, that you really admired or looked up to, and you just didn't think it would be you. You really I, didn't prepare. <laughs> I, well, what I had done is I didn't write anything down ah. at all. I just said like a few days before I said um, to Jackie, I was like, I think I, if I win, I think I'm going to talk about my dad. Oh. I, I don't know if I can do it. I'm going to try. I don't yeah. know because it's a crapshoot and it's been now it's been a couple of years, a year ago, there's no way I could have done it at all. Right. And so I, I wasn't sure. So like when I was in the car or something, I would kind of think, Oh, if I get picked, maybe I'll say this or that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I knew I wouldn't have to rehearse anything about that. Cause I was just telling the story that had happened. So I yeah. didn't have to write things down. If I was going to go there, I knew that I would be able to talk tell a pretty compelling story about it because yeah. I lived it, you know? And so it wasn't something I actually, that's why the first part of the speech is so fumbled and bumbled. <laughs> and then, um, you get to the end, it's because that's, um, you know, that was a real moment for me. And I, I really wanted to get through it without breaking down because I, I didn't want to do that in front of all these people. Yeah. Um, but I was happy that it resonated with people and that I was able to get through it. And, you know, I guess I didn't realize how the emotion would come through mm. like that. Um, but it was definitely very heavy. Yeah. After yeah. I was like, man, I was kind of a mood killer for the party. No, <laughs> it was really emotional. It's funny because I don't think we realize until you're in that situation where there's all those people looking at you, like you're standing at the front of this room. All yeah. of these people are staring at you and there's people that are like the top of the industry here on all different levels of, of poker and behind the scenes and on the felt and the whole thing. Like it just, it ramps up the emotion, I think, of what you're saying because there's just nowhere to hide from it. It's right there, reflected right. back at you in all their faces. It's, yeah. yeah it's, I'm not a public speaker either. Like I don't yeah. speak in front of people, but I wasn't nervous. I just didn't know if I could actually do it. Right. And, um, towards the end, I kind of just cut it off because I was like, oh. I thought this is not going to come. And then I go to my seat and I start just crying because oh. I, I was able to hold it together. Um, pretty much. Uh, so but it has to go somewhere, right? You yeah. Can hold it together until like you get your seat. It was a really important part <laughs> yeah. of my journey, you know, he was such an important part. So I really wanted to talk about it. And, you know, some yeah. people try to discredit the GPI awards or, oh, it's this or that. 
But to me, it was important and it was an important moment. And um, I was really proud of winning it. So yeah. I, I wanted to honor him if I could. Yeah, I thought it was really beautiful. Um, so is that the last time that you cried in front of another person? Because the question yeah. on, the, on this survey, yeah, is that. I'm a crier in general when it comes to like TV shows or sitcoms <laughs> or things. But overall, um, I don't really have any reasons to be crying in my daily life. You know, mm -hmm. it's, uh, things are going well and, and, and I'm happy and um, everyone close to me is healthy. Uh, so that was definitely the most, I, I had never lost someone that close to me before. So it, that there was a really uh, tough time. And mm. so talking about it, yeah, that was the last, last time I cried and hopefully I won't have to oh. again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, cry, you know, whatever crying's good, but yeah, uh, you don't want to yeah. do it all the time. I guess. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. But you uh, know, when you lose somebody close to you, uh, death is nothing like on TV, you know, and mm. I always thought that it was where they're just like, oh, you know, you have these deep, meaningful conversations and they're telling you all these things and it's this beautiful passing. And when, you know, when someone you love dies of cancer, it's nothing <sighs> like that. It's actually yeah. very, um, very sad and it, it's just nothing like on TV. So yeah. it was, it was a tough journey. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. So does it is going through that kind of grief and having to be there for someone that you love through that kind of grief. Does it give you some insight into your own life? Like the things that you want to do before, before you go or, or ways to change your life in the moment so that, you know, when you get to the end of it, you have lived the life that you want to live. Yeah. I, I think that my da dad's death taught me a lot about death and about how I would want the end of my life to be right. My, when my dad got his diagnosis, he didn't take his, it, some people are like, Oh, I'm going to go travel the world. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to have the best moments ever. Mm. And that's not, he didn't have that kind of mindset. It was very heavy for him. He had a lot of depression with it. He had um, a lot of sadness that um. actually gave a lot of weight to us too. Mm -hmm. And so when I go through my life and I get to the end of my life, I don't want to leave that kind of weight on my own children. Yeah. Um, my Frenchie came in. You can probably hear him snorting. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I, I want to leave uh, things very positive. And I'm not saying that my dad didn't. He dealt with things the best way he could. Um, but for me, I when I get to the end, I, I want it to be more um, uplifting, you know? Mm -hmm. So because that, that yeah. was heavy. I think no, no, not at all. This, yeah. yeah, this we get these questions can be some of them can be pretty heavy. Like this, this last one here. Here we go. So your house containing everything you own catches fire. After saving all of your loved ones and pets, you have time to make one final dash to save any one item. Do you have something that would be that one thing that you need to get out? Um. I think it would be photo albums, which is very yeah. cliche. I think that's what everybody would say. Um, mm. But if I had two items, I'd grab my bankroll and the photo album. 
<laughs> it's practical. I can appreciate that. <laughs> it's definitely practical. Um, that I know that got shot in a game in Texas. This was like 15 years ago. Oh. Or he did. His friend got shot, and this game gets robbed in Texas, and the guy gets shot in, in Texas. He he lives, and and mm-hmm. they were telling me the story, and he's got this bullet hole in his upper chest, like by his shoulder. Oh. And why he was on the ground, the only thing he was concerned about was his bankroll. Oh, my God. Because he had the whole, like tens of thousands on him. And that was the one thing. Here he is shot in this oh poker game. And all he cared about was his bankroll. <laughs> okay, bankroll so- management, number one. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> you do not have it all on the table. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what's coming up next for you? What, what are, where are we going to see you next? Uh, so I'm going to play the WPT um, and then just playing one to two tournaments, mm-hmm. uh, probably a month. And then just the series. I hope to have a really good series. Um, yeah. Um, that's very long when they go bad, badly. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, just to have a pretty good, uh, positive series. Yeah. Um, so are you going to be playing like a ton? Or are you going to? Yeah. Are you sticking to any particular kinds of tournaments or are you just going to like? play it all so normally i play mixed games in cash mm-hmm. and uh so that's i do play a lot of omaha and things like that uh at the series but right now i'm very heavy into the no limit tournaments but i will play all yeah. the low eights and uh, the high low uh split games uh and i'm playing a very heavy schedule like you know right. tournament a day uh type of a thing well, best of luck for the series. And, you know, thank you very much for coming on and opening up. I appreciate the honesty and, uh, yeah, being able to kind of go where some of these questions take us. Thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. Mm, it was lovely getting to know you a little bit better. Um, and thank you, everyone, for listening as well, all of you out there. I hope you feel like you know the person buying the cards even better now. And don't forget to join me next time on The Heart of Poker, sponsored by 888 Poker. Poker.